Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask that you continue to bless this show. We ask that you bless our guests and that you watch over our families and our businesses. We ask that you continue to bless us and lead us in the direction that you need us to go in. Lord, thank you so much for all your blessings and all that you've done for Acadiana and all that we can continue to do for you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today is part two of a two-part series of our 100th episode. Today's featured guest is Miss Blue Rolfus. She is the communications director for the Diocese of Lafayette. Welcome to the show, Blue. Thank you so much, Todd. Uh, proud to be here. Now, my co-host today is not just a normal co-host, but today, I, <laughs> you know, I'm very uh, humbled to have as a co-host for our show, Bishop Douglas Desitels. Welcome to the show. Bishop. Thank you, Todd. Glad to be here. We're going to ask Blue some tough questions today, but I did a little research on you, Blue, and Blue, I feel like, is almost a family member to me. My mom, Miss Marcel, and Blue were so close, and uh, you see, I brought my diary today, and Mom wrote a diary for 42 years straight, and when she passed a couple of years ago, I've read most of them, and you're in there very often, and she, she loved you so much. So you it's can just, make me uh, cry. Oh, well, I don't want you to cry. She's but, uh, she's always been one of my heroes i appreciate it i think it's likewise uh, uh, as well for her so tell us a little bit about yourself well i was born and raised in lake charles graduated from lake charles high school and um i was raised as an episcopalian actually mm-hmm. my mother was catholic and my father was baptist when they got married and so they decided for some reason to settle on the episcopal church <laughs> is kind of a, a compromise split the difference yes yeah. exactly and Growing up as an Episcopalian, I always felt like I wasn't quite in the right place. It was it was hard to really figure out why I, I didn't feel like I belonged in that particular denomination, even though they're wonderful people. And in fact, the rest of my family is still Episcopalian to this day. But when I was a senior in high school, uh, because of standardized test scores, I got the National Merit Program, I got a letter from the University of Notre Dame offering to fly me up and let me look around the campus and possibly consider being a student there on scholarship. And my father thought that it was hilarious because I have a sort of non-gender specific first name. And so he thought that it was a a big mistake and that they thought (laughs) that Blue was a boy because at that time Notre Dame was still all male. And as it turned out, they were in the process of going co-ed for the very first time in their history due to some changes in federal laws. And so I went up, uh, had a chance to look around the campus and absolutely fell in love with it and felt that I, I had found my home. And so in the course of my years at Notre Dame, I went through RCIA, started learning more and more about the church. On the Notre Dame campus, it's, it's considered a stay hall system, which is the, that means the, the dormitory that you enter your freshman year, you will stay there for four years. So at night after classes and after studying, we would have mass every night and I would go just every single time to mass that I possibly could and just sit in the back and try to learn the prayers and, and learn more about the Catholic faith, and so at the end of my sophomore year at Notre Dame, uh, I was accepted into the church and became a Catholic. Wow. And it, it's 
I consider it the greatest blessing ever in my life. It's shaped the kind of person that I ended up being and the way I've tried to live my life. And now to have come full circle and to be able to be working for the church and using the skills I learned in the secular world to help others enrich their faith and to evangelize others and to, as Bishop said on your previous program, to share the good news about not only the gospel, but about all the wonderful things that are happening in our individual church parishes across the diocese. I'm a Tiger fan from birth. Uh, my father <laughs> took me to the Tiger Stadium when I was probably five. And, you know, I've heard all the legendary back and forth games with the rivalries with Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. But my mother being a hardcore Catholic, um, you know, she wanted me to go to Notre Dame. And I sent my transcript to Notre Dame, but I wasn't Notre Dame material. <laughs> <laughs> I had the faith, but I didn't have the, the grades. Uh, but I, I'm, I, that's exciting that you had gone to uh, Notre Dame. That's I'm jealous. Uh, so Touchdown Jesus was there when you were there. Yes, he was. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think he's on the side of the administration building, but that's actually the Golden Dome. Ah. Uh, Touchdown Jesus is on the side of the library. And you really can see him. You have to sit kind of high up in the stadium, but you really can see him during football that's games. That's nice. Bishop. That's great. Yeah, that's, you know. To know that you were in, uh, kind of broke the ceiling, the glass ceiling in uh, in getting uh, into Notre Dame, an all-boys school, and then just whenever it was uh, going co-ed, you know, mm -hmm. is a, that's an amazing story. That Because it had been for so long uh, just, you know, kind of a, a place where only men were allowed, but now you helped to break the uh, glass ceiling by doing that. Yeah, great story. It was, uh, it was a little uncomfortable, though. I'll have to be honest with both of you because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a lot of the incoming freshman women, we knew that they were in the process of changing, but I, th I think that we all felt like it would automatically be an, an even percentage split between men and women. But mm -hmm. my freshman year, there were 500 women on campus, and I'd estimate that at least 25 to 30 percent of those were religious. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of us were just faithful the light faithful but there were five thousand men mm -hmm. and so we were frequently the only you were very woman. popular <laughs> oh i oh, i don't know about that and, and coming from being an episcopalian coming from a public high school in louisiana and then being in class with all of these people who had gone to catholic prep schools and you know throughout the the midwest and the east uh, uh, East Coast. It was a challenging experience. I was really homesick that first year, but it was a wonderful experience. So does a young girl from Lake Charles have an accent in South Bend, Indiana? Today? <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes. And you know, Lake Charles is, is so close to the Texas border that we tend to have a little bit more of a drawl than people in mm -hmm. Acadiana. And uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of kidding that, and teasing <laughs> that first year. What about the cold, Blue? Did <gasps> you get used to the cold in South Bend, Indiana? Well, as a matter of fact, I remember freshman year, the first time it snowed, Bishop. It was just, it was amazing. It was like at the end of October. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I ran out into the quad area outside our dormitory, and I'm making snow angels, you know, that I've seen people. <laughs> I'd only seen snow once before when I was growing up in Lake Charles. And I came back in, and I was so exhilarated to to be having this experience for the first time in my life. And all of my sweet mates looked at me 
like I was crazy. And they said, <laughs> you knew at this, aren't you? And, so, and they, they were right. About four months later, after the snow hadn't melted since that first time, I, I was ready to come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it's nice at first, huh? Yeah. Like, like any good Cajun Catholic, you know, uh, snow is like Christmas Day. And yes. uh, it snowed one time when I was at LSU. I'll never forget. It snowed hard for a, a couple of days where it accumulated. We were, everybody went crazy. I mean, everybody's <laughs> like going nuts, throwing snowballs at cars. And it was insane. Yeah, that's cool. So, Blue, I saw that you used to that you started your career at WWL in New Orleans. Uh, WDSU. WDSU. Okay. The NBC affiliate. And so, did you live in New Orleans? A yes. Uh, How was I, that? Well, I ended up graduating from Loyola because um, okay. at the end of my junior year, I realized that I wanted to go into journalism, but I knew that my scholarship would be ending at the end of my undergraduate days, and um, the. WNDU was the on-camera television station, and they were located right next to my dormitory. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to spend some time in WNDU and was learning what a pivotal time it was for the broadcasting industry because crews were switching from film to videotape. Mm-hmm which brought a whole new level of immediacy to news coverage. You didn't have to go cover a story, then go back to the station and put your film in the soup, which was the word that they used, you know, mm-hmm. develop the film and Editing. then edit it and yeah. everything. Yeah. You could just stand in front of what was whatever was happening with a live remote truck and, mm-hmm. and broadcast from the scene. And this technology was available to even local television stations. And I was majoring in journalism, print journalism at the time, and decided to switch to broadcast. But Notre Dame didn't offer an undergraduate broadcasting degree at that time. So I made the decision to uh, transfer to Loyola mm-hmm. University, and that's where my bachelor's degree is from. And through that, I got an internship at WDSU. And then later turned that into an associate producer's job. Yeah, mom uh, went to Ursuline, so we mm-hmm. have a lot of New Orleans roots in our family. And my grandfather, Brown Forche, who, who started the business here, he worked for the Ford Motor Company in 1920. And he worked for the factory for 27 years. So mom grew up in New Orleans, you know, and that was an yeah. old school Catholic New Orleans. And New Orleans has so many beautiful churches. Uh, oh, yeah. yes. It's a beautiful place. Bishop, what, what are some... I'm, this is Blue's interview, but I, tell me, uh, when you visit around, what are some of your favorite churches in New Orleans, uh, or just anywhere that you travel to? Well, just, again, you know, I, I want to brag on the Diocese of Lafayette, of course, because we, for a diocese this size, 300,000 Catholics, roughly, there are beautiful churches in this diocese. We have some treasures in places like uh, Generet mm-hmm. uh, and also Franklin huge churches, beautifully designed. St. John's in Generet is probably the most perfect Gothic church, Gothic-style church that we have in the diocese. And the same with Assumption in Franklin, with a beautiful coffered ceiling that runs the entire length of the nave of the church. Those were built by old French priests who were pastors here in this part of the country. They uh, they knew what uh, European churches looked like, and so they wanted to model them after those churches. This was even before the diocese was formed. It was still part of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. They found benefactors and donors from Europe, as well as some of the big sugarcane barons that were in the in that, that part of the of the diocese that were able to fund large churches like that. Then, of course, we have some also some beautiful smaller churches. 
that were built by uh, by money that was donated from Mother now Saint Catherine Drexel, in her from her foundation, and out of her family fortune in order to care for the spiritual needs of the many African American Catholics that we have in in our diocese. And by the way, the largest percentage-wise, the largest number in the United States we have in our diocese here of Lafayette. So we do, you know, we have uh, so, and then of course, you know, our, our big showpiece here in Lafayette is, is the cathedral, which is, mm-hmm. they, I still see tour buses that stop in front of it. That's one of the, of the highlights of a visit through Lafayette is to stop at the cathedral, St. John Cathedral, and view that uh, beautiful church that we have in the diocese. So beautiful. So, and, you know, in New Orleans, of course, there are beautiful churches. The old St. Joseph Church uh, by Charity Hospital is, is an amazing edifice, as well as their, their big showpiece, which is the St. Louis Basilica, uh, right in the heart of town, which, by the way, they I think there's still a city ordinance. Nothing can be built in front of it that it can't be viewed from the river. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. that. Yep. Again, you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Ms. Blue Rafa. She is the communication, director of communications for the Diocese of Lafayette and a, a blessing to all of Acadiana and especially to me and my family talking about family um endeavors wouldn't be right if we didn't talk a little bit about food net and how many years you've dedicated your life to that tell us about that relationship the the main reason i got involved in food net was because i wanted to spend time with your mother don (laughs) Uh, miss marcel was my hero my role model i wanted to live my life imitating hers it always would now you're just, making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it it always would just blow my mind for lack of a better way to express it how Miss Marcel, the owner of a huge automobile dealership, would walk in and plunge into work right next to all of the volunteers. She was the first person to show up for all of our food drives. She was the last person there at night. We would try to get her to sit down. We try to get her to let us do for her and her dedication to feeding the hungry in Acadiana is is just one of the most extreme examples of selflessness I've ever I've ever seen with anybody and um, we were very close as you know yes I, I felt like a member of your family at her passing and just felt the incredible loss but also was so grateful for the wonderful memories and um, you know people who maybe didn't know your mom didn't realize what a wonderful sense of humor she had (laughs) and and you had to listen for it you know (laughs) you had to pay attention because the one-liners would would come out when you least expected them and I just I loved her dearly and um, I'm grateful to your family for all that all of you have done for FoodNet and for what is basically one of the founding principles of the Catholic Church, and that's to to care for others and to care for the needy and to shelter and and provide food and and do whatever we can to help our fellow man. We have a lot more to give. Uh, You know, Mom, unfortunately, was plagued with six boys. She didn't deserve that. And her personality probably came from raising those six boys. You know, that's that was a tough gig. And uh, they thought I was an angel because I came along last, but I was kind of a devil, <laughs> honestly. But uh, but compared to my brothers, I'm, I was an angel, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we miss her so much, so dearly. She wrote a lot in her diary about her Catholic faith. And a couple of occasions I remember is just about how she was in an adoration chapel once she had started the women's crusia here in Lafayette and uh, and how, how Jesus just surrounded her in the chapel. And it was such a moving conversion type experience i'll ask you blue at at, mm-hmm. at notre dame is that an experience that you had or have had through life absolutely yeah absolutely it it, it was 
gradual at first, to be honest. At, at first, I've fought it just a little bit, and I've heard some of our priests express to me that they had the same feeling when they were discerning their vocation. And I guess, in a sense, I was d- trying to discern my vocation as a lay Catholic. But it was gradual, and then finally, I learned to just stop and try to listen to what the Lord was telling me and leading me, and to open my heart and my soul up to what He wanted me to do with my life. And the day of my uh, confirmation as a Catholic uh, was just, it was incredible to be able to walk up and receive the Holy Eucharist for the very first time is, is a moment I will never forget. Yeah. It's just the, the Holy Spirit's so powerful in my life. And just a quick testimony story with the bishop here. I was running around the outside track at Reds praying, and, and, and just like lightning striking, God whispered in my ear and said, the bishop needs your help. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, that's really weird. First of all, I don't think the bishop needs my help, and, and I don't really know the bishop and all. And, and I come around the corner, and this guy has got on a, a, a sweatsuit and tennis shoes and and, and a hat, and uh, and he just says hello. And I and I passed by him, and I said hello, but I kept running. And I thought to myself, you know, that could be a customer of the dealership. I need to make a better effort. And so I turned around, and I, I said, how you doing? And, and lo and behold, it was the bishop. <laughs> so the Lord works in very mysterious ways. So I guess I don't know. You know, I'm there for you, Mr. Bishop. If, well, if, if, well I, still might, uh, I still might be a customer if I need, okay. to, if I need a pickup truck. Good deal. So, Blue, 40 years at KLFY. Tell us a little yes. bit about how that intertwines and how you can maintain a spiritual life and be the center of attention on TV. Oh, <laughs> well, I like to say sometimes that um, I'm more than happy to uh, fade out of the spotlight now because I had more than my share of attention, what I, attention I deserve for most of my life. So I'm happy now to put others in, in the spotlight and to let people know about our wonderful community and our wonderful church, but I loved I loved every minute of it at KLFY. It never felt like a job to me. Mm-hmm. It was always such an adventure, and I felt like every day I came home from work having learned something because I'd have the opportunity to interview so many interesting people and see, um, experience other walks of life that normally I wouldn't have had the opportunity to. You know, I've learned a little bit about meteorology from covering hurricanes, learned a little bit about crop performance from doing a lot of stories on the rice crop and the sugarcane crop and uh, working with farmers and crawfish farmers. And then, you know, also just learned so much about the world. And sometimes in a relatively small community, not that Lafayette is a small community, but not a major urban center, most people won't have the experience to see life from so many different perspectives. And that was one of the things that journalism brought me is that it enabled me to see parts of the world and that I never would have seen. It also gave me the opportunity to travel. Our our bosses at KLFY were wonderful and that they felt like it was a good story idea to send us out into the world. And I ended up on the Pope beat, as a matter of fact. Wow for lack of a better way to explain it. So um, I've actually had the opportunity to attend Mass with Pope St. John Paul II in St. Louis in the Civic Center there. And that was 
that was incredible. Uh, sure. I wasn't able to receive communion from him because it was during, uh, obviously, one of his visits to the United States, and the building was packed to the brim with people who were so anxious to just be able to say they were under the same roof mm -hmm. with the Pope as I was. And I also had the opportunity to travel with him to Washington, D.C., and to New York City and um, attended mass with him again in Central Park, in an open air mass in, in Central Park. Then I also had the opportunity to travel again to Washington when Pope Benedict made a visit to the United States. And it also it went also to Denver when uh, Pope John Paul II spoke at World Youth Day there a number of years ago. So just that experience that, that, alone. That, enough. that <laughs> yeah. was enough, friends yeah. benefits there. Yes. Well, Blue is, is such a household name and has been for, you know, the number of years she said that she worked at Caleb. Why well, I, I grew up as a kid with Maria Placer and Douglas Straps. Yeah. Yep. And so I, then I went away, you know, for like 34 years as a priest in, uh, in the Dallas Diocese. And when I, I came back and was setting things up to get a communications office going, and I asked uh, some of my nieces and nephews uh, who, you know, said, and everybody knew Blue Rolfus, you know, already. And they said, well, isn't she on Channel 10? You know, I said, well, yes, but she, you know, she's interested in helping with uh, our communications office. And uh, so they, they, again, she was uh, just a household name. A ringing endorsement. There. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> you hit the lottery, yes. Bishop, no doubt about uh, it. I think so. Bishop, do you remember how you and I got to be friends? Uh, <laughs> He's on the spot. Remind me. <laughs> yeah. I had the, I was uh, assigned the uh, opportunity to interview Bishop when he was first appointed, oh, yes, 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 and yes. so I was able to come and visit with him, and we sat down and we recorded an interview and talked about his journey from Basile to Dallas and back, <laughs> and then. There, not too long after that came the August floods of 2016, oh, right, right. and as as all of you know, our, our entire community was just devastated and it was such a shocking situation to be in and um, a lot of people found themselves stranded in their homes if you I don't know if you recall but the rainfall started on Friday and continued on through most of Saturday so on Sunday morning a lot of people weren't able to leave their homes in order to make mm -hmm. their Sunday mass obligation so we got the crazy idea that because I'd met him that I would call Bishop Desitel and say Bishop would you mind coming down to the station and celebrating mass here wow. that we can broadcast so that people who can't get to their home parishes would be able to at least watch the mass on TV? And much to my surprise, he said, sure. And so the next morning, he and Deacon Kinsel mm -hmm. showed up at KLFY with a backpack. You know, I was wondering where where the rest of church was uh -huh. and they showed up with a backpack with a, a chalice and a patent and, and host and investments and yep. uh, we had mass on the paspatu set and Todd if you know you've been in KLFY before you know that's there's a kitchen set in mm -hmm. there so we decided that I would bring my dining room tablecloth from home and drape that over <laughs> the cooktop wow. and so that became our altar and the crew was the my fellow parishioners and I was the lector and uh, and Bishop did beautifully and I remember Bishop the gospel that day talked about Jesus telling his followers to pull themselves out of the muck uh -huh. and being an experience you know to hear Bishop read the gospel that oh excuse me read the gospel that day and to to hear how profound 
that Jesus even knew, mm -hmm. you know, thousands of years ago that we would need to hear those words on that particular day. It fit today, yes. And we were fast friends after that. Yeah. Wow, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Uh, so this rung with me through prayer this week was uh, thinking about what John F. Kennedy said about our country. And um, and so, you know, it's not asked not what the bishop can do for you or the diocese, <laughs> but what can we as the lay community of Cajun Catholics can do for you? And so I'll ask both of you that question. Well, uh, you know, again, uh, given the time that we're in right now and the challenges the witness that you can give by helping a neighbor in need uh, does as much uh, for spreading the gospel and evangelizing the world as anything. We need, we need to see the good example of uh, Catholics uh, helping each other in times of need, uh, of uh, toning down uh, the anger and yelling at each other that you know has just plagued our country for the past few years. Uh, to learning how to sit down and, and see the other person as a child of God, uh, as a human being with the respect that is, uh, that is due to that to another person, even when you may have differences of opinion, uh, to try and return our country to a, an atmosphere, to a, an environment of civil discourse where people can sit down and learn from each other and, and see the things that they have in common and see how to arrive uh, at the truth when there are differences of, of opinion, but to do that civilly with respect and, uh, you know, and, and an observance of the other person as, as a child of God and deserving of that kind of respect. So it's beautiful. That's Blue. A, that's a great, you know, that would be a great blessing for me. <laughs> a couple of minutes left on the show. Blue, what, what, what can we do as the lay people to further the diocese? I, I think we can, uh, we can use the uh, examples set by your mom and the volunteers of FoodNet in that when you have extra to share, please remember to do that because there may come a time in your life when you'll need to ask others to share their extra with you. Uh, none of us will know when we're ever in need of help and it's sometimes difficult to ask for help. So be there and provide that help, whatever form it takes, either through volunteerism or helping out in your home parish or, as Bishop said, assisting a neighbor in need, uh, just kind of uh, earning your keep, so to speak. You know, it's the volunteer service is the rent we pay for the little piece of land on earth that we get to occupy. And if we can all just keep that in our hearts, I think that that will shape our behavior and the way we treat each other, hopefully with, with respect and dignity uh, that is, is the human right. I will share with you both that in the business community, there are some wonderful people, and the youth of our community is phenomenal, and I've seen them front and center mm -hmm. at this show and at the chapel and UL and, and just just some outstanding Catholic, better people than I'll say I was when I was that age, and so the the, the future is so bright for, it is. for, for so. the Cajun culture yes. and for our community, and we're so proud to have you, too as our leaders, uh, the dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, oh, thank you. Pray I'm just a servant. <laughs> keep, keep, keep the bishop in your prayers. <laughs> so Bishop, why don't you take us out with a prayer? Sure. Uh, invoke the assistance and help <clears throat> of our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Prompt Succor, who is a patroness of our state. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. 
To you do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To you do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy Mother of God, that, that we, we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Y'all are such a blessing to me. I love you both. Thank I wish you, you the best. And uh, you'll be in my prayers, and I hope I, hope I ask for yours. Most definitely. Uh, as always, we ask you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. Amen.